It's time for episode 150 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, August 18th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that goes 360 and 180 divided by six. It really depends where you put the parentheses there, though. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Welcome back, Dan. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Be back in, uh, in front of the clock. Back. <laughs> That's right. Back in front of the clock. On the clock. On mm-hmm. the clock. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Uh, this is the show where we talk about four tech topics with two fantastic guests. To my left, a uh, former co-worker of Jason and mine from Macworld and now at the Wire Cutter, Mr. Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me. And uh, to my left, a returning guest and proprietor of the Nocilla cast, it's Allison Sheridan. Hey, guys. This can be fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for bringing your energy. <laughs> a little confused how to do it without Micah. But yeah, I, I, I guess Dan will be okay, I right? I know. Sometimes we have different guests on. I don't know how that happens. All right. So, uh, Dan, you get to be the first topic today. Oh, how delightful. Well, uh, I was traveling the last couple of weeks, and one of the things I remembered as I was traveling is how much I actually find the Find My Friends app useful for keeping track of my friends and my family, especially when I am traveling. I'm trying to meet up with people at like a big event or something like that. Uh, and it's handy for some of my family, too. So we're like, or we're making plans. And we're trying to figure out where people are and where people are going. Uh, but my question for you guys is, do you use Find My Friends or do you find it creepy? Do you find it useful? I mean, what are what are your thoughts on the whole sort of lo- tra- location tracking idea? Dan? Oh, I think it's fantastic. We use it all the time, actually, in our family. We um, we use it on a daily basis. My 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 kids, whenever mom's not home from work, they're like, Daddy, open Find My Friends and tell me how long before mommy gets home. Uh, every day. Uh, we use it. We go to amusement parks just to kind of keep track of each other. On vacation with friends, we do the sharing thing, like, you know, where you temporarily share for the week so that we can see where everybody's at. So, yeah, it's fantastic. We use it too. Um, I I really enjoy it. I, I you know where's where is my son on the way home from school and when's he going to get home so I can make sure that I'm there to open the door or whatever. I mean, I lots of lots of ways we use that. I was just using that when I was when I was in Memphis the other day to see like when when was I going to get picked up at the airport and and how long was it going to be and uh, I mean we we just yeah it, use it all the time and I like that it's a you know completely consensual thing. You have to say yes, I'm I'm happy for these people to follow me. You can see even if they don't don't follow even if they don't let you see where they are you can see that they are sharing their location you're sharing your location with them as a follower so like dan frakes knows where i am at all times even though i don't know where he is just as a (gasps) just as an example do i still really yeah apparently that's what five my friends tells me dan that's for what it's worth i haven't looked in years good i'm I'm afraid if we we if you unfollow someone that means they're no longer friends that that makes me sad (laughs) i'm at my desk dan i'm always at my desk find my enemies Well, I'm I'm glad Dan mentioned the uh, the temporary one because I'd forgotten about that. That if you're in messages, right, you can just swipe to the left. I think it is, and it'll show you the thing that says, "Hey, share my share my location for a little bit." I did figure out that when you do that, though, if you ever stop doing it, it actually stops real find friends. So they are the same thing. Um, I use it all the time. A couple of funny ways we use it. I go for really long walks with my dog in the afternoon, about an hour, and my husband uses find friends to know when I'm coming home. 
so that he can be out front when I'm about a block away and then I let the dog go and the dog runs to him. It's this really fun little family ritual we do with it. Uh, one of the funniest uses is uh, I have a guy named Bart Bouchatz who's on my show, one of my shows every other week, and um, he goes uh, cycling. And so I watch to see whether he's gotten home in Ireland. So it's it's nothing to do with local location. I just like yesterday, it turned out he forgot to show up. And I'm just like, oh, let me look on Find Friends. Oh, yeah, he's not coming anytime soon. He's still out on his bike. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's super cool. I use it all the time. Yeah, I really like it as well. Uh, I think I'm I'm actually I wrote the thing, a thing on Six Colors the other day saying I actually miss one of the initial features of this. You can, as you mentioned, still share your, your information temporarily, but they kind of pared down the options because nowadays it's either share for an hour or share until the end of the day or share indefinitely. The older version had these sort of temporary events that you could create, which expired like at a set time that you could mm-hmm. pick, um, which was really handy if you knew like, hey, I'm going to be hanging out with these people for like three days at a conference. I'm going to like automatically turn it on so they can see me for those three days. And then after those three days, it just goes off. I don't have to worry about it. But now you have to do like you have to like re-up it every day or you have to just share it indefinitely. So I hope that makes a comeback at some point. But I personally find it really useful. And, and like you, Allison, my, my girlfriend is currently abroad, so I can like look at her look at, oh, there she is in india <laughs> there she is in kenya whichever country she's in today so there is a little bit of an entertainment value from it as well uh thanks for your thoughts on that and let's move to topic number two dan what do you got for us yeah so we um over in the apple world here we we talk a lot about the ipad and whether it's something you could use to replace a laptop but um in my new job i have to deal a lot more with other platforms and um I actually have uh, been using a Chromebook for the last few months, uh, in part because I wanted to get to know the other side, but also in part because I'm waiting for new MacBooks forever. Right. Um, but I, I'm just wondering, have any of you used a Chromebook? And do you think you could get by using one as your, your main laptop? I have. Uh, I used the Chromebook Pixel and uh, ended up p- uh, handing it on to my daughter who is that is her that is her laptop and she loves it she loves the chromebook she finds no need for for a mac with mac apps she's happy to use the web that's that's how she she can watch netflix on it i mean there's all she can do everything that she feels like she needs to do with it um however i will say that whenever she needs to edit a video she asked me if she can use my imac so there (laughs) you know she can't do quite everything and for me that's the thing could i get by on it um it would be hard because um, I do things like audio stuff. And actually, you can use Chrome to record podcasts now pretty, uh, depending on the number of guests, pretty well. Uh, editing is not so strong on that front. So for me, it would be kind of hard uh, to do that. I choose to use an iPad instead as my laptop, essentially, these days. But uh, but Chrome's come a long way. And the addition of some Android app compatibility in uh, newer models and newer software revisions also uh, has me intrigued. I think, it, you know, I think it makes sense. It, it solves all the problems that we always uh, heard people complain about, about Windows, especially, of complexity and, and uh, unreliability and things like that. And, uh, and I'm not surprised that the Chrome books are uh, wildly popular, especially in education. You know, I did an interesting thing in order to dabble in the Chromebook world. I used an application called Cloud Ready from Neverwhere to create an installer of Chrome for uh, a MacBook. So I took, I had a 2008 MacBook that was getting real sludgy and slow and it's not going to be able to run Sierra. So I thought, well, why not? And uh, it was a fun little experiment, fun thing to do. Uh, And it is super fast on that old hardware. So a lot of times we've looked at, oh, well, can you put Linux on old hardware? And it's always hard on the Macs. I don't know why it's so hard on the Macs. But anyway, with Cloud Ready, 
it's it's really really easy and you've got chrome and it's uh it's pretty cool i absolutely cannot use it for me um i am highly dependent on mac apps like audio hijack marzetta clarify feeder transmit authentic authentic uh, leveler ScreenFlow. i mean all these things are part of what i do doing a podcast so it's definitely definitely not for me but it was it's a really fun way to experiment with it where you don't have to spend any money if you got an old mac laying around uh i've never used one firsthand I have recommended them to other people when I know that they're not people who tend to use, say, Mac products and don't really need a full laptop and and don't want to use an iPad, for example. And so uh, a friend of mine who is not super techie had, uh, you know, PC laptops for many years and they kept dying. And he's like, you know, this is all so much overkill for what I actually do these days. I said, well, you know, you can look into a Chromebook. And he bought one and he's generally pretty happy with it because he doesn't really need to do anything that goes beyond its bounds. Um, I thought about recommending one to my dad when he was looking for a new computer, but I think he's so you know comfortable with his Mac that he decided to get a new Mac instead, even though he doesn't use even a percentage of the capabilities there. Um, I don't think it would work for me because of so many things that I, I use that don't really have an analog for web-based tools. Um, and so, you know, I, I really love, you know, Scrivener, for example, that's not going to run on a, on a Chromebook um, and any number of other tools like podcast editing stuff, like Jason said, it's just it's a lot harder for me. And, and I do I, I think, you know, I just I love the Mac, too. So that's part of it is just feeling like I'm very comfortable and it, it does everything I need. I don't really need a, a computer that's that's going to I don't need to save that much money by buying a computer that can't do all the stuff I need to do. So not for me, but I think it's a great product. And, and for people who, who want or only need that level of functionality, like that's, hey, what a, it's a good solution. Yeah, it really depends on what you're, what you're doing. I mean, if as long as what you're doing is web apps and some of the, like Jason said, upcoming Android apps, it actually works great. At Wirecutter, we do most of our writing in Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets. And for that kind of stuff, it's fantastic, of course, because it's, you know, it's all Google. But I, you know, I, for 275 bucks, which was the price on sale of the the Wirecutter's recommended one a few months ago, I mean, it's really a pretty fantastic machine. It looks great. The keyboard's good. It works well. It's fast. Um, I really miss a lot of, of Mac stuff on there. I mean, there's a lot of utilities that I use on my desktop that I really wish I had, menu bar utilities, keystroke things. Um, but, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a sort of side computer with a desktop, it's actually been a pretty good combination. Uh, it's not perfect. I mean, do a Google search for how do I make an M dash on a Chromebook and you'll, you'll see what <laughs> I mean. But, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised by it. It couldn't be my main computer, but as a, as a compliment to an iMac, it's been great. All right. Well, we are uh, two topics in. We've got two more to go, but of course that means it's halftime. Halftime at Clockwise brought to you by our good friends at Linode, a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers all around the world, makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute, and plans start at just $10 a month, and that will get you a server with two gigabytes of RAM. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location right from their web-based manager tool, which is super easy to use. And once you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, and resize that server with just a few 
clicks. Linode servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest you can get in the cloud market, and they have access to a 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. There's also an API that lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and all of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, so you're never going to be surprised by your bill. I get my bill. It's the same every month. There's never an ugly surprise there. So as a listener to Clockwise, sign up at linode.com slash clockwise. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise. You'll support us and get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee. So there's no risk in signing up. That's linode.com slash clockwise. To learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or just use a promo code clockwise20 when you check out. Thank you to Linode for supporting Halftime of Clockwise. My topic is this. Logitech last week came out with a new keyboard. This is a topic near and dear to Dan Frakes' heart, I know, for the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. Uh, and using that as a jumping-off point, I'm curious, if you uh, do you use a keyboard with a tablet, first off? And if so, what is your preferred sort of keyboard method? And uh, how's it going? And if you are not interested in coupling a, uh, a keyboard with a tablet and seeing what develops, why not? Allison? Well, I use the 12-inch, 12.9-inch iPad Pro and the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. And on both of them, I have the keyboard cover. Uh, But to be honest, I don't do a ton of typing with those. What I use more often than not is the Apple Pencil with a a third-party keyboard called MyScript Stylus. And by keyboard, uh, it's, it's a very weird word to call it a keyboard. You basically get an area down below where a keyboard would go on screen, and you write by hand, and it does real-time OCR of your handwriting. It is absolutely magical. I'm sure you guys have heard of uh, MyScript Calculator was a big deal. Everybody got all excited about that a while back. It's by the same people. Um, They've got a couple other apps coming out right now. And I know it sounds funny to use handwriting, but I can lay in bed and scribble in the morning when I'm goofing around or I can sit on the couch with it in my lap and and scribble out my answers to things. And the handwriting recognition is phenomenal. So the the stylus went from a, a, you know, a party trick because I'm not an artist to an essential thing that I use every single day because that's how I, I write responses and emails. I, I don't do a lot of long form stuff, but a lot, you know, goof around on social media stuff. I use the Apple Pencil and uh, MyScript Stylus is my keyboard. Uh, I use the uh, Logitech Type Plus, which I got on sale for my iPad Air 2. Um, it's a Bluetooth keyboard with a rechargeable battery. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Um, it does make the iPad a bit bulkier and more annoying to carry around, but the functionality increase for it is is so much that I'm usually willing to trade that off. Uh, it's made it very easy for me to take that as my only computer on uh, on trips because I can get a lot more done. Um, although I will say, you know, saying uh, speaking of the bulk part of it, whenever I do take the iPad out of it, I always marvel at how light and small mm-hmm. the iPad is and not in a keyboard case. Uh, I played around a little bit with the, uh, the smart keyboard. We bought my uncle an iPad Pro with the smart keyboard. Uh, and I like how compact it is. It's, it's not quite as, I don't find it quite as nice as typing. The, you know, the Logitech one has actual like spring keys, like a, like a real-ish keyboard, even if it is a little bit smaller. 
smaller. Um, but you know, I, I think that all of these things, hardware keyboards, there's no question they trump software keyboards in my mind for anything beyond writing like a short email or even a tweet sometimes. Um, so I, I really like it a lot. I find that I can write entire columns or pieces on there. I've worked on my novels on the iPad. Um, I don't know if I want to write a whole novel on the iPad, but that probably has less to do with the keyboard than with other things. So in general, I'm pro keyboard and I, I like especially the convertible aspect of being able to, you know, walk away with just my iPad too. Yeah, I've used a few. Um, um, yeah, I, I obviously, um, well, for those who don't know, I've reviewed keyboards for the iPad and I've, there's a big picture of me on a, um, that I posted to Twitter a couple weeks ago with like a hundred different iPad keyboards stacked against my closet. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I've tested a lot. I love a keyboard with an iPad. Uh, for me, without the keyboard, it's much more of a consumption device. Uh, I'm not a fan of the the, the on-screen keyboard. Uh, with the keyboard, it becomes, in a lot of ways, a good laptop replacement for certain uses. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of them. Um, I, which one I use depends on the iPad. For the iPad Pro, I actually really do like the smart keyboard. Like Dan said, it's not the best keyboard on the market to type on, but the whole package is how thin it is, how light it is, how easy it is to take on and put off for me makes it the best overall choice unless you're sitting at a desk all the time typing. And then the the logic one, I think Jason will probably agree with me, is is really nice in that respect. The keys are great. But um, but my favorite one overall is still the one for the iPad Air 2, the um, Belkin Ultimate Code Pro. There's like four ultimate, or the four ultimate code keyboards and three of them kind of suck. And one of them is like the best on the planet. So, um, it's just, it's fantastic keys. It, um, the keyboard separates from the, the case. And so you can actually take the iPad off, use it in portrait orientation, use it by itself. Apple smart cover fits on it perfectly. It's just like, it, it I really wish they would make one for the, uh, the 9.7 inch pro. Uh, I use generally, um, generally what makes me happy is a regular Bluetooth keyboard, uh, Probably the Apple Magic keyboard. I really do like that keyboard and a stand. And I bring them out when I want to type something, but mostly I don't. Um, I was talking to Mike Hurley about this the other day that he um, he he says he uses a keyboard with his iPad like ninety percent of the time, and for me it's more like five percent of the time. And so I, I'd rather just get out a good Bluetooth keyboard most of the time and uh, type on it that way. However, I will say the Logitech, I, and I'm not a big fan of the twelve point nine inch Logitech Create keyboard. But because it's so bulky, but the um, the 9.7 inch iPad Pro uh, Logitech Create is uh, very impressive. I liked it a lot. I thought it was I thought it was quite good. And although it does add bulk, of course, it is just because that iPad is so much smaller. It adds a lot less bulk, and the keys are pretty good. So um, I, if I if I had a 9.7 inch iPad Pro, I would probably seriously consider using it. But I don't. I have the big one, and uh, and so that's that. Uh, anyway, thank you to everyone for that. And we have time for one more topic. Allison, what's your topic? Well, I think a lot of Mac users are uh, menu bar app junkies, and I love to learn about new ones. So th- I thought I'd ask you, what unusual menu bar app do you have that makes you happy? Oh, man, unusual. I'm not sure any of my menu bar apps are terribly unusual. Um, a couple well, of they can ones just I- make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, ones that make me happy are uh, Collective, which is a uh, a uh, clipboard, a, a multi, you know, multi-thing clipboard, uh, which I really like. You know, I co- copy a bunch of stuff and then go through it and search it or tag stuff or, you know, 
go find pretty much anything I need to, which is very nice. It's very non-obtrusive too, which I really like. It's menu bar icons, little magnet, which is cute. Uh, and the other one that I really like, uh, which eh, I'm kind of I'm kind of halfway between calling it a menu bar app or not, but it's Screens by Adovia, the the VNC client, because it has a menu bar component. And the way I have it set up is I only see the menu bar thing, and I can just go into the menu bar, go to my you know little drop down menu, and pick any of my computers to just connect to them remotely. So uh, that gives me a lot of joy because I spend a lot of time like not wanting to like oh I got to go over to the other Mac and like open it up and do something here like because it's like three feet away and that's really hard for me. So <laughs> I, yeah, that's those are my favorites. So back when I was the Mac Gems columnist at Macworld, I used to review a lot of menu bar items. And the problem with trying a lot of stuff is that you find a lot that you like. So I actually have, I just counted 40 <laughs> menu bar items. Not, not because I like menu bar items that much, but because they all do cool things and I like having them handy access. So my thing that I'm going to recommend is actually called Bartender. Mm-hmm. And it's Yay. actually a menu bar utility that... It gives you a second menu bar that's hidden most of the time. So you can keep just those things that you use all the time visible and the rest go in the bartender bar that appears when you mouse up there or when you click an icon and uh, it still gives you access to them, but they don't give you that huge menu bar that is so cluttered that whenever the finder is, you know, the frontmost thing, half of them are hidden. So um, I use that to sort of keep my menu bar looking sane with all those items. I use I use Bartender and I love it. And thanks to Dan for telling me about it because that's that's where I heard about it. Um, I use an app called Bitbar, uh, which you can get at getbitbar.com. Uh, and Bitbar is like a do-it-yourself menu bar app where you can write a script that tells it what to show. And uh, that's exactly what I was looking for because I wanted to put, I have a weather station in my backyard and I wanted to put the temperature in from my weather station in my menu bar. And all the weather menu bar items use Weather Underground or National Weather Service and they do not have an option to let you use your own weather station. So I use Bitbar and a script that queries my weather station every couple of minutes and then just displays the data in my menu bar. And uh, <clears throat> you can use it for anything. So uh, if you ever wanted to do it yourself and put something in your menu bar that nobody else will put there you can do it with bitbar oh you've got to give me that script uh my husband got a uh a uh, weather station and he loves it and uh he would he would just die for that jason i gotta i gotta get a copy of that off you that's awesome um and these are unusual mostly um it, obviously bartender is uh, is life-changing um the first one i have that uh, if you know about it you're gonna you already love it but if you don't uh you're gonna go crazy uh it's called trip mode and it lets you uh stop all internet traffic until you authorize it and the reason i use this is because every time i went on travel anywhere i would immediately use up all of my data on my cell phone plan tethering to my max and i could not track down where all these data leaks were coming from i would try to stop everything but between you know crash plan and i i, I think it was probably icloud photo library in its entirety but trip mode basically just stops everything and then you turn them on one by one saying yes i would like my mail to get through yes i would like this to do that but i don't don't want to let photos through. Um, that that's one of my favorites. Um, I use a little app. It's a little janky looking, but it's called Webcam Settings, and it gives you drivers for 
webcams that don't normally have drivers for the Mac. And uh, the one I like to use is the Logitech C920. Let's you have full control of pan and zoom and color controls and, and focus. Um, it's, it's just a tiny little app that does one thing and one thing well. And the last one I use a lot of for a really weird reason is uh, Flux, which I'm sure people have heard of. It's F.LUX. Uh, it allows you to, to set times that your screen changes this whole thing about how it's supposed to be amber at night so you can fall asleep. I don't believe any of that. But uh, I use it because on video podcasts, my face is always blue. So I turn it to like an orange or an amber, and then I look normal tone until it's done. As soon as I'm done recording, I turn it back off. Yeah, that's great. I uh, I wrote a thing on Six Colors about how great uh, trip mode is. I use it for podcasting, mm-hmm. too, because I can block out oh. all of those bandwidth-sucking things when I'm doing a podcast. It's on right now, in fact. Oh, that's a really good idea. Right? Right? I it's like it. not Not authorized for that, but you could do it. Thank, thanks, for not blo- <laughs> thanks for not blocking us out, Jason. That's nice of you. Not yet. <laughs> Stay on good behavior, yeah. Uh, I think that's four topics, so just enough time for a bonus question. Jason, who who brings us our bonus question this week? Why, Dan, I'm glad you asked. Mac Weldon brings us this episode of Clockwise's bonus question. Uh, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Great stuff. T-shirts, underpants, socks, other stuff. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. It's very easy to buy. I've bought uh, underpants and socks and other stuff from Mac Weldon online. Super easy, very slick e-commerce experience. Um, as you buy stuff, you can see how much you're saving. The The product is incredibly high quality. I love their socks. They have stripy socks. They make me very happy when I wear the stripy socks. Uh, it's all comfortable, super high quality Comfy stuff. Um, they have a line of silver stuff. Uh, that the, there's actually silver woven into the material, which makes it naturally antimicrobial, so it doesn't it doesn't smell as much. Um, lots of science stuff going on with Mac Weldon, and Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. If you try it and don't like your first pair that you order, keep it, and they'll refund your money. They don't want it back. Um, but no questions asked. If, if, so, so it's risk-free. You can give it a try and not be afraid that you're going to not like what you spent money on on the internet. Um, all of the underwear, socks, and shirts look good and perform well. Uh, they're great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just for living your life. And to make this even better, listeners of Clockwise can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com using code CLOCKWISE. You'll get 20% off. Thank you to Mac Weldon for their support of Relay FM, and of course, the bonus question on Clockwise. Okay, Dan, what's our bonus question? That bonus question is, do you listen to music while you work? And if so, what kinds, Mr. Frakes? Oh, yeah, I usually have some kind of music on all the time, but it really depends on my mood. If I'm really, you know, like aggro and trying to get something done. Sometimes I'll get something really upbeat. If I just mellow it out, it'll be, you know, something mellower. But so I, I have really diverse music tastes and I can't really say I listen to this kind every time, but there's always something on. Yeah, I do too. I can't listen to um, to podcasts or anything while I'm working because I'm writing yeah. and that's too many words. Um, but unlike a lot of people, I think, who um, who say they can't write when they're listening to music with words, I don't have a problem with it. It just needs to be music I know. So I have a playlist that I subscribe to on Apple Music that's new music in um, alternative genre, which is generally the one that I like the best. And I can't listen to that when I'm writing generally because those are new songs and they need to be songs that I know by heart. So I listen to music I know by heart and then like Dan Frakes, you know, music can really affect your mood if i'm not not very happy if i'm kind of mad then uh yeah it's like something i learned today by husker du or something like that just to make me uh rageful but uh generally it's it's something a little nicer than that 
I'm fascinated by how different brains are that some people can only work if they're listening to music. I am on the exact opposite side of the spectrum. I've tried every kind of music you can think of, and I hate all of it when I'm trying to do any kind of work. Makes me crazy. At first, I'm like, oh, I'll put on some classical music. Oh, that's really nice. And after about five minutes, I just feel like somebody's grinding something on my head. Um, I I actually don't listen to music at all anyway, but um, I'm kind of strange that way. I apparently have music specific anhedonia go look it up it's a thing wow wow Wow. okay all right i i've not heard of that but that's that's that that sounds interesting um i and i you know what i kind of go back and forth um like jason i tend to either listen to stuff without words or stuff that i know really well that has words um so i've kind of internalized it um sometimes i notice i just forget i do that thing where i put my headphones on and then i just forget to turn on music especially if i'm out uh i don't know why but it's become a thing recently i used to write almost exclusively to music and now i've kind of if i'm out in public i i often don't um podcast editing obviously makes it really hard to listen to anything else (laughs) which is funny because that's the time i want to listen to music the most for some weird reason because i think the the work of it is very rote in some ways Mm -hmm. like i used to love uh coding to music because i it let me sort of lose myself in it and and audio editing scratch the same image but i can't do it so maybe someday someone will invent some sort of weird brain implant that lets me do that uh and that's our bonus topic so all that remains is for us to thank our fabulous guest this week dan frakes thanks so much for being here thank you anytime Allison Sheridan, thanks so much again for being back and for and for uh, going out for your walk early so that you could join us. I suffer for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. No, don't, totally worth it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Dan, 150 in the books. One of these days, Woo. we'll finally figure out how to do this show. Congratulations. Hey, thanks. Yeah. It's uh, uh, here's to 150 more. Oh my God. That and so in uh, in uh, Roman numerals, it's uh, CL. CL. That's uh, it's kind of <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. (laughs) All right. Uh, And uh, so that's it. We're done. We'll be back next week with another edition of Clockwise. Uh, But until then, as we always do for 150 episodes, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.